The greatest among you must be your servant. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Dear friends, this is an important passage for us tonight from Matthew, speaking to us uh, about humility. Uh, But it also uh, should raise a question for all of us, of course, in the Catholic tradition of why do we call priests or bishops or abbots father when Jesus explicitly says here to call no one on earth your father. So we're going to explore uh, that in a moment because I think that's important to, um, to understand more deeply. Jesus in this context is speaking to the crowds and he's gathered all of the crowds around him in order to uh, instruct them uh, about something about a spiritual authority and to listen uh, to what the teaching of the Pharisees uh, and the scribes mean. Now in this, when Jesus criticised the scribes and the Pharisees, who are they? The scribes, as it were, are the people who uh, deal with the biblical texts. They're the ones who know it better inside out. You know, They are the uh, the learned ones who are able to uh, convey that to others. We might, in our own context, think about like theologians uh, who uh, work away at, at biblical texts. Uh, those who are involved in maybe uh, handling the texts of the Bible. And the Pharisees, who are they? They're the leading sect in Jesus' day. There were others. Uh, there were the Sadducees uh, and there were the Essenes. And you've got the uh, Pharisees that Jesus talks about who were the ones who were probably the most popular. Probably more people followed the Pharisees. They carried tremendous authority about them. Uh, and they were followed by more people uh, in Israel. What's interesting is that Jesus doesn't challenge what they teach here. He says that they do legitimately occupy the chair of Moses. And in this, Jesus uses the same word in the Greek as what we all know. He uses the word cathedra, uh, the seat, as today we'd say cathedral, wouldn't we? A cathedral is the seat of the bishop, the seat of the teaching office of the church. And Jesus says, actually, you know, they're quite good teachers. Um, you know, listen to what they say, but then don't follow what they do. He's saying that basically they teach one thing and then do another thing, that they are religious hypocrites. He says that they bind up burdens to place on people, and they don't lift any finger in order to release them from those burdens. The other time that Jesus talks in the Gospels about uh, binding and loosing is, of course, when he gives the keys to St. Peter. And when he gives the new authority of the new covenant uh, to Peter and to the apostles, he says that you can uh, bind or loose sins. And whatever about, whatever is bound on earth is also bound in heaven. And whatever is loosed on earth is also loosed in heaven. So that's the other time that Jesus talks about binding uh, and loosing. But he speaks here about the spiritual pride of the scribes and the Pharisees. He talks about broader phylacteries. What are they? It's a great word, isn't it? You have to have your teeth in to say it. Broader phylacteries are those um, you still see Orthodox Jews today, like a, a leather box that they wear where they put some of the words of Holy Scripture in them and tie them either to the hand with leather straps around or to the head as a way of carrying the word of God around with them. But Jesus is saying that they don't just go for the normal ones. They go for the really big ones so that everybody can see them. It'd be like having a massive rosary. There's one by Our Lady that I brought back from Lourdes. And instead of, say, taking your rosary out in the rosary group, you know, you get your massive rosary out and show, and show everybody how pious you were in your outward observance. He then talks about the longer fringes that they wore. What were they? 
Well, the Jewish people still, men stay when they pray, they put on like a prayer shawl, and they have very, very long fringes. Uh, and they're to remind people of the Ten Commandments. But I suppose if you had really long fringes, you'd be saying, I'm really interested in the Ten Commandments. I'm, I'm more interested in them than you are. And it seems that many of the Pharisees, this was just an outward observance. They weren't concerned about what their relationship with God was. But basically they wanted to see people to, wanted people to see them being really pious, so they got better thought of. Uh, so maybe they got better seats in the synagogue, or that they were greeted uh, really well in the market squares. And Jesus warns against both this hypocrisy uh, and also this spiritual pride, uh, two things uh, which we are called to avoid. But then Jesus, after speaking to the crowd, he then turns to the disciples and addresses them. And he speaks to them about three titles. The first of all, Rabbi, he says, don't be called Rabbi. Now, Rabbi, in the way we usually translate it, means teacher. And Jesus says, don't let anybody call you teacher, that you have one teacher. A better, like, literal translation would be great one, really, when using that term Rabbi. And people like to be called great one. Jesus is saying, don't let somebody use that title. He then says, don't be called master because of course at the heart of the gospel, is to be a servant. And we know that we had God amongst us in Jesus Christ who came to serve. And then the other thing that he says is, call no one on earth your father, for you have only one heavenly father. So he tells the disciples not to call anyone father, for they have one heavenly father. And I'm going to come back to the different phraseology in that in a moment. But why are these names prescribed? Why shouldn't we? Well, at the heart of it, it's because to use those names would be to usurp the place of God. That Jesus is our teacher. That Jesus is our Lord and our Master. That Jesus is the icon of our Heavenly Father amongst us. Jesus tells us that whoever is greatest amongst you must be the servant. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He says that Christian leadership has got to look different and Christians in leadership have got to look different as well. That they were not to lord it about like the pagans do. And in this text he's saying like the Jewish leaders of his day that there's got to be a humility uh, to everything that we do. Now, what about us calling priests father? Is that a direct contravention of this? I think we've got to take it in the context of the whole of the New Testament. In Matthew's Gospel, uh, and in all the Gospels, Jesus often uses hyperbole as a way of making a point. So he tells us to gouge our eye out if we so much as sin. But he doesn't literally mean to mutilate our bodies, but rather to root out sin. And we see the term Father being used as a spiritual term throughout the New Testament. In the Acts of the Apostles, St. Stephen, the first martyr, is somebody who, when he addresses the leaders assembled before him, describes them as brothers and fathers. And he goes on to say that the glory of God appeared to our father, Abraham. St. Paul calls himself father when he writes to the Corinthian community. He says, For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And St. John himself 
who was probably here in this passage, when he writes to the leaders of the church which he's founded, says, I am writing to you, fathers. The important thing to remember in this, though, is that ultimately we do only have one father. Not many fathers, not our favourite father, not even our earthly or biological father. All fatherhood derives from the one fatherhood of our Heavenly Father. Now, people might have had a very bad experience in their life. You know, sometimes I meet people who've shared a very difficult relationship, say, with their earthly father, their dad, their pa. And sometimes this clouds also their relationship with God. Because we can often read in to our relationship with our Heavenly Father, the relationships that we've known in this life. But we should rather see it the other way around. That our Father in Heaven is a good God. And He is the gold standard to which all are judged. That no man or woman or priest or leader or scribe or Pharisee should ever place themselves in the place of our Heavenly Father. But that we as Christians are called to share in the ministry of our Heavenly Father. And we are called, just as Jesus showed forth the love of the Heavenly Father to those around us, that we too are called to show that love. That just as Jesus, who was God himself, humbled himself in order to wash the feet of his disciples in order to minister to the poor and needy, in order to forgive the sins of sinners, that we then, who are just as creatures, but tasked with so great a privilege of being as disciples, are also called to be those things to others. How then, my brothers and sisters, might we serve others in this next week? Sometimes that takes great sacrifice. I think one of the important ways in which to avoid uh, Christian hypocrisy is probably to admit hypocrisy from the very beginning. You know, one of the things that I often find when I'm preaching uh, is that first of all, the sermon is to me. I can't preach anything except that that the church teaches. But I know that that also is a challenge and applies to me. So one must always speak as a Christian in the world as one who is fallen, as one who is a sinner. And to be honest about that, one of the most attractive things about the Christian gospel and about the church is when the church is honest about her own shortcomings in her members. You, know, you speak to people about also getting things wrong, sometimes being touchy, often falling into sin, and say, but I know that my faith helps me in all of that 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 is one of the most attractive things that you can offer to someone. And then the other thing is to serve people. How might you serve people this week, whether it be at work or at home? It can be in the small things, uh, like making that cup of tea that you don't really want to make for somebody else. It might be in ringing that person who you know is lonely. It might be talking to that person at the office who actually you don't really get along with and nobody else does. But probably the thing that will bring some healing to their life is a bit of company. How can we serve someone today? How can we serve someone this week? In doing so, my brothers and sisters, that is how we will find exaltation 
not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of God, who sees all that is done in secret. Let us therefore pray to our Heavenly Father and to Jesus, who is our teacher, our master, and the icon of the Father, that we might be servants of our Lord. Amen.